Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Today's podcast is sponsored by System Professional, whose new In Essence range is all about making your approach to hair more natural and stripped back. With a whole variety of paraben, silicon, and sulfate-free products, this new range doesn't compromise on performance and delivers instant softness, volume, and sleekness. In short, it's a fast track to better hair days. To find out more and to shop the range, visit lookfantastic.co.uk. Welcome to the Sheerlux Highlights podcast with me, Charlotte Collins. This week, I'm joined by Hattie Cotmore, Tamara Corrin, and Heather Steele. Hi everyone. Morning. How was everybody's weekend? Good. Uh, I was at a wedding on Saturday. Had a very nice time. How was it? It was great. It was like the hottest day of the year so far. So it was really beautiful. It was somewhere called Wadhurst Castle in Sussex, kind of the Kent Sussex border. And yeah, it was just really beautiful grounds. Their ceremony was in a walled garden and yeah, it was just really, really lovely. And you ended up in a Ganny dress? I did, yes. I had to panic by a dress, so I finally ended up getting what I actually wanted that was way more expensive than That's I'd a good panic. Ever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah <laughs> ever spent ever. Sometimes with a panic, you do end up just throwing some money at the Yeah, yeah that's exactly mm. what I ended up doing. But I really liked it, and also I can wear it for my sister's uh, babies getting christened in a few weeks. So I'm just kind of splitting the cost two ways. Clever. Price for yeah. yeah, and I'm going to wear it on the show tomorrow, and I'll probably wear it every day for the next year just to kind of bring it down a bit. But it's sort of cream with lots of red flowers on long sleeved and long so covered me completely Mm. but it was really thin so I wasn't hot and sweaty actually when you described it to me last week Heather was like yeah so it's white and it's really long Long. and then I was like but 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 no (laughs) so it didn't look like a white dress no not at all I checked with a few people even though I didn't have anything else anyway so it's to check such a thing but no it was really fun didn't get too drunk until the end which is always a good thing at a wedding I think because it was so hot and they just had a free bar it could have gone very wrong weekend well mine was very unglam and i missed the weather because i was ill oh, oh nice. so i literally didn't leave my house all weekend i just had some kind of virus that's rubbish actually there's nothing worse than being ill when it's really hot as i well. know i had it's quite unpleasant FOMO. yeah I could, like everyone was going out and I just had to stay in bed. Shame. But. I feel like we've been really lucky and that all the hot weather has fallen on weekends yes. so far. Like, wow. Yeah, yeah we had a good back holiday yeah. as well, didn't we? Yeah. Well, it's not tempt- Charlotte, what, yeah. did, what did you get oh, up to? Well, <laughs> God, I, podcast listeners are just, they're, they're either loving the wedding chat or, I'm sorry, you probably hate me at this point. It's so boring. I'm but, enjoying it. So, because we were getting married abroad, it was a requirement to get married in the UK as well. So we had our legal civil ceremony this weekend, which was lovely. We wanted to market and celebrate it, but we not doing anything too over the top so we had just 18 just close family and a few friends and yeah had a had a little ceremony at Marylebone Town Hall I mean nice. it literally lasted like six minutes they were like okay do you want any readings no do you want your own vows no do you want any music no <laughs> 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 we were like, we were like, just bash it out take the box yeah. but it was still lovely what did and you it was, do afterwards we had lunch at Claridge's so nice yeah. And it felt, yeah it really felt like a special occasion to kind of kick off all the, the rest yeah. of the celebrations so yeah, yeah. it's lovely we're we allowed to ask what you wore you are I wore a white suit nice. which I thought was quite, okay I, that's cool I like yeah. that I know it wasn't a 
original, everybody I know who has had a civil wedding in the last six months has worn a white suit. But that's also because there's loads of suiting around. There's a lot of white suiting. And you won't be wearing a suit for the big day. Um, (laughs) So, you know, it's nice to have that, like something completely different to what you you know, your dress. Exactly. And so I found one in Reese in the end. I mean, obviously Reese do great tailoring and uh, yeah, it was a particularly good one. And I had some some special navy heels as well thrown into the mix too. So yeah, I was really pleased actually. And a bouquet from Scarlet and Violet who are a florist in Kensal Rise who are amazing. You told me about them before. No, no, I'm I'm pleased for you. Yeah, they are are lovely. So yeah. And you feel good now today, the day after? I had a good gym session this morning. It was quite a heavy weekend, but I've got a proper wedding next week. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Get back on the wagon quickly, calm down. Also, today is a really big day. As podcast listeners might know, we record on a Monday, even though it goes out on Thursday. Does everyone know what happens tonight? I do. Are you talking about Love Island? I'm talking about Love Island. Oh my goodness. I was hoping that was. Yeah. I was just going to say. Paddy, excited? I am. So I've watched two series now, and the first series I watched, I was so hooked, like, so obsessed. I really tried not to cave and watch it because it felt like such a guilty pleasure. But now I feel like everyone gets on board and it's great office chat. It is. You know? I'm the same. I was so on my high horse about the first two yeah. seasons and then three and four hit. And yeah. Do you know what? I, the okay. first time I actually watched it was last year because I thought there is so much hype about this. I want to know what's going yeah. on. Okay. And I rarely sit down and watch TV and I could see how it's addictive. I did, absolutely. But I was so disappointed watching it and seeing girls that look like Barbie dolls and boys that look like Ken and I thought the girls and boys that are watching this series and thinking this is normal these figures as an older lady I sat there thinking but they have worked out they have dieted they've killed their son. and I thought it's so unrealistic and it kind of upset me because I thought I'm sitting there feeling really rubbish about myself can you imagine a 15 year old girl mm-hmm. sitting there watching this and I just thought do they have to be in their bikinis all day long I do agree with that you yeah. know they're always undressed and I just think you know make it more about their personalities Look, it's going to be the same I, I mean I've seen pictures mm. I've seen the kind of the lineup it's the same it works it's a formula that works everyone loves it so I, I do get it and it is is it addictive? It's also really easy watching. Are those off-putting elements enough to stop you from watching it? No, because I just think I'm confident in myself. I've realised that this is not to the norm. <laughs> you have to watch it knowing it's not real. Correct. But I yeah. think as someone that's older, I can, can I can kind of yeah. step back. But someone that's younger, I just think... This is crazy. Mm. This is mad. Heather, are you a fan? I am, yes. Uh, it's not usually something I no, watch. No, I can't imagine <laughs> Heather as, yeah. yeah. I think it is, like we were saying, it's just mindless. And after, like, yeah, day at work, commuting, etc., yeah. etc. If it was only on once a week, I probably wouldn't bother, but just because it's on all the time. And I loved last summer, like, the office chat was great. Every morning, mm-hmm. everybody, apart from, like, Pascal, I think. <laughs> everyone was, like, so excited and there was always something to talk about. And I was actually, like, looking forward to, like, coming in to be like, oh my god what happened last night so yeah I thought it brought everyone together I do agree with what you're saying mm. tomorrow 100% and they said they were going to diversify the lineup this year and haven't at all on first sort of mm. yeah that's true so they may have people that come in that are different shapes and sizes but I doubt it ITV had said that this year they were going to make a push to, to be a bit more diverse but in their ethnicities and their body shapes but then if you do look at the lineup it's not that diverse I read an interesting piece Harriet Minter wrote it and she was saying she's like as someone who's plus size my Myself, I watch the show and enjoy it, but I don't actually want these 
plus size girls, for example, to go on because the abuse they'll end up getting That's also true, will be yeah. awful. Yeah. And she's like, actually, I think it's probably a good thing that they're not putting these people up for to be scrutinised. Mm. And she was referencing Alexandra last year, who was like the big girl. And I mean, she was not at all. She not just had all. like big natural curvy. boobs yeah. and some hips and that was it. And no one was really interested in her on the island. So they were saying, you know, even if somebody like that, who's mm. not large at all, is kind of being rejected on screen for all to see for being not classically good looking compared to the others on the island yeah that's so true so Jess from two years ago the one I ended up with Dom she was curvier as well she she wasn't a stick insect no but she was also like one of the most stunning people I've ever seen so I guess that kind of helps (laughs) us can you imagine how many people enter the show I mean isn't it that like double the amount of people apply for Love Island than apply for Oxbridge or something it's insane yeah I also saw I read a piece in the Independent this morning that was saying that statistically you're more likely to win an Oscar than find love on Love Island. People who actually apply versus who end up getting on the show versus who still stay together. But but also... Statistically more likely to win an Oscar. That's insane. The thing is also, I actually noticed when looking through the list of people this year that they seem to be a bit older than normal. And when I say older, I mean late 20s Mm. as opposed to... But often they've been like... 2021 yeah in which case the chances of you meeting your life partner there are are pretty slim and actually when I think of the couples who are still together like Camilla and Jamie from a few years ago he was 30 when he went on the show or 32 even like she was a bit older yeah and they're still together still together Mm -hmm. and I do think it's yeah beneficial when they have slightly older people by older I mean I'm 28 people who aren't late teens early 20s Mm. who was that Scottish girl who made it through Laura yeah she was wasn't she 28 or 29 everyone was making out like she's so, she was yeah. like the grandma because all these 20 year old blokes were like oh god no like yeah. oh she's so old but maybe that's sort of part of the diversity yeah. push as well does that count as diversity not really I don't know because no. we have to match them up as probably well. yeah. Yeah, exactly. I think it'd be more interesting if they're a bit older have a bit more life experience yeah perhaps. anyway by the time this airs we'll be three days in yeah. so yeah. we'll have a lot to catch up on <laughs> next week on a slightly uh, different TV note I've been watching a Chernobyl which is on Sky Atlantic at the moment and that's well worth a watch Everyone been raving about it it's really good it's obviously a terrifying watch especially Mm. the first episode which actually shows the power plant kind of exploding and the people who were there at the time and what's so interesting about it is that most people know about the disaster but I don't think everyone knows that it was massively covered up so even when the power plant was sort of melting and everything was going wrong and people were dying they were still sending the workers back in to go and try and turn these pipes off, even though people weren't coming back from that room. The core had basically exploded, and that's where all the nuclear stuff was coming out. And these government people and the the head of the plant were meeting. While this was all going on, having these secret midnight meetings, being like, what should we do about it? And they were like, we don't believe you, nothing's happening, go back in there now. Is the TV show an entirely accurate retelling of what what actually happened? I think, yeah, based on accounts of people who were involved with the trial and um, so they're not just using like the disaster as a springboard for, no, for fiction no not at all it is a dramatization how that. many episodes there's only five okay. five hour long episodes and uh yeah the last one is later this week but it's all the cover-up and you know they even tried to hide it from the world yeah it, it's very very interesting very well done it's interesting because nobody's it's got lots of sort of big name actors in but nobody's doing like russian accents or anything like that they are just talking in their normal sort of northern accent or american accent that's, interesting. that's quite unusual it is unusual but it works because you're not there trying to be like what are they saying mm-hmm. or why have they put on that strange accent or you know why are they trying to do this it just 
takes it all away so you are focused on exactly what's happening rather than the acting it bothers me actually when people do for example if they were playing Russians and then they speak English in a Russian accent yeah. it's like well mm. you wouldn't have been speaking English anyway so you might as well <laughs> speak with your own accent yeah. it's like in that um, the Armando Iannucci film last year Death of Stalin obviously it was said in Russia but they all spoke in their, their British regional accents which actually just again it works quite well because mm. it strips away the focus on anything but what they're saying yeah I think, I think it's a good thing yeah it works you're not there like why is Jesse Buckley talking in a sort of northern accent you are just yeah. like okay, oh is she in she's Chable. in it. oh great she's, um, she plays uh, the wife of one of the workers as well as Jesse Buckley it's got Paul Ritter in who's yeah the dad from uh, Friday Night Dinner in a <laughs> yeah. very different role it's got Stellan Skarsgård in it's got Emily Watson in basically you kind of recognise everybody because mm. they've been in something at some stage cool so worth a watch definitely worth a watch it's only yeah. five episodes long if you can get past the harrowing first episode it's very very interesting let's talk about summer books now we interviewed um, assistant editor of fiction at Pan Macmillan Jane Osborne to share her edit of the top 10 novels to try this summer so from romance to thrillers hers are the ultimate recommendations for the holidays so she recommended things like Standard Deviation by Catherine Heine Queenie by Candice Carty-Williams anyone who listens to the High Low will oh, know that yeah, yeah she did a, an author special with them which was great Crazy Rich Asians by Kevin Kwan great a lot of fun good beach read if you haven't read it and How to Fail by Elizabeth Day which uh, we talked about the corresponding podcast last week I highly recommend uh, so I want to know what are you guys going to be reading for summer Hattie well at the moment I am reading Everything I Never Told You by Celeste Ng which I am seriously loving I read Little Fires Everywhere by her last year and I read that on holiday actually and lapped it up in about two days she's quite an interesting author because it's not a tough read but she tackles quite interesting topics so a lot of what she discusses is sort of familial differences and fitting in in society and this book follows a family who are American Chinese so the dad's background is Chinese and then the mum is white so it sort of follows how their children struggle to fit in in society and at school like it's repeated several times about how they're the only non-white kids in school and it's so interesting and yeah just a really really good read I'm really enjoying that at the moment I feel like I have banged on about that book quite a bit I talked about it on the show oh, last really? week but it is so, it is so good isn't it I agree with you about her as an author that it's it's like a good story yeah and it's well written, but without being, you know, like a tome that you've got to drag, mm. wade through. So, yeah. and that is like the holy grail for me as far as <laughs> yeah, as far me as too. Heather, what about you? What are you going to be reading this summer? Or actually, have you got any books that you have read on holiday and you think actually those are great beach reads? This one is a bit dark, but it's a very good book. It came out last year. It's called My Year of Rest and Relaxation by Atessa Moshberg, and it's a book about a woman, an unnamed author, who for whatever reason. Um, well, many reasons, but I won't go into to ruin it, decides that she wants to take a year off from absolutely everything. Uh, she lives in an apartment that was bought with her inheritance because both her parents died. So she's like, all my bills are paid, everything's paid, I'm just going to basically stay in for an entire year and dose myself on every sort of over-the-counter American drug I can get my hands on. So I basically sleep for a year and basically don't know what the hell's going on. It's not a true story, but she just wanted to completely lose herself. But it's just a very interesting insight into how you can get hold of medication in America 
quite easily, especially if you go to sort of a therapist and say you're feeling X, Y and Z, they'll Mm. give you kind of a year's worth of super, super strong stuff. And she's basically just getting one mate to come in to kind of deliver pizza twice a week that you'd kind of eat a bit just for sustenance and then go back to sleep. Is it like her emotions? What do you... Because, you know, what's the point? Yeah, exactly. You're getting her narrative every time she wakes up about what she's been dreaming about, what she discovers she's been doing in these kind of manic episodes where she's been on drugs and can't remember what's happened but um, she doesn't leave her apartment she, does, she does once or twice but doesn't remember doing so because she's like woken up surrounded by crisps and coffee from a shop downstairs right. but it's just really interesting because it's a lot about what's going on in her mind and why she wants to shut herself away and it takes place just before 9-11 as well so there's lots of sort of political things going on in the background that you hear about as well but it sounds very dreary is it as heavy as it sounds no it's just hard to kind of describe it without giving anything away I found it really fascinating I read it in about two days it's very very well written it sounds very different yes it is it won loads of awards when it came out in America last year it's very good very odd but remind us the name it's called my year of rest and relaxation I want I do want to read this year it's called convenience store woman by Sayaka Mirai Uh, so she's a Japanese author she's written this book and it's been translated into English this year I've seen it popping around in the chart I've not read it yet but it's essentially about a woman who's worked in this same convenience store for 18 years and she's happy doing that but everyone around her is like you need to get married you need to get a boyfriend you need to do something else you need to have kids that's all it says on the book jacket to be honest so I can't really (laughs) say anything more than that but I yeah and I went to Japan earlier this year and their convenience stores are pretty special so I'm quite interested to sort of relive that and a girl I went on the trip with was reading it at the time and said it was excellent so on that recommendation I'm going to give it a read but can't tell you much more than that tomorrow are you a reader I can imagine with five kids it's uh, Um, hard to find time yeah I would love to say I am but I'm not really (laughs) there's loads of books I think oh I'd love to read this but really trying to find the time even just a beach holiday unless I'm alone on a beach which has not happened for the last (laughs) 10 years then I just don't have the time to pick up a book unfortunately I'm with you I'm with you um so when you guys are looking for something to read on holiday what do you go for do you pick up something heavy that you know you're not otherwise going to have the time to read like you know something you've been waiting for or do you go with the total kind of switch off mindless chick lit I sort of have an ongoing list. I'm the kind of person that has about five books on my bedside table at a time. Me too. I'm constantly buying books. They sit there unread for ages. So when I go on holiday, that's definitely when I read the most. I can read a book in two days Mm -hmm. if I really want to. So I kind of just wait until I'm going on holiday and then go with what I feel. I don't like reading anything too heavy. I like a thriller. I read The Girlfriend by Michelle Francis. Oh yeah, I've heard that. Last year, that's a psychological thriller about a woman whose son gets a new girlfriend sort of about her relationship with her son and then she's very excited to meet her son's new girlfriend and a lot sort of unravels as to where this girlfriend has come from and why does she want to be involved in their life and that kind of thing Mm. but there's a part of the book where they are staying in France and I don't know what it is but when you're sat by a pool and you're reading about something that's happening aboard I don't know I like that sense of sort of as if you're living it okay Mm. so it isn't like you relate to what's yeah like my mum likes to pick books for her holidays set in the place that she's going my mum does that as well which I think is really nice yeah Yeah, I like that I really like that also sometimes you learn 
a lot of the history yeah. of yeah. where you are or totally. you go to perhaps you kind of go to the same places and you think oh that's in my book yes. yeah. well, there, yeah. are, there are certain books that are just so evocative yeah. of a place and so yeah to be yeah. able to uh, read those one you're actually yeah. in those places is amazing. amazing Heather I can't imagine you're a chiclet kind of girl I do like Bridget Jones Diary I do think that's a very good book um, I don't know what I tend to do is yeah kind of pick one from my book pile but then I'm always a sucker for the Waterstones or WH Smith at the end airport as well so I then end up buying something that's you know on the bestseller list that I've been like oh I've heard that's interesting so then I end up with two and then don't really read either well there's nothing worse than ending up without a book on holiday or when you run out and so it's I always I do always take a book or two but it's never (laughs) wishful thinking yeah Yeah. I just kind of smell the fresh pages (laughs) I do associate the smell of a new book with a holiday do you yeah and actually I I did do kindle for a few years but I'm I'm it's not the same same. I'm really over it the only benefit is that you can then buy a new book when wherever you are in the world and that was really good and actually on during my Christmas holidays this year I I ran out and that was it was a bit rubbish. Uh, well, I actually often use Holiday as an opportunity to read like some of the heavier novels. So I've read a lot of Donna Tartt's books on Holiday. Oh, so I read sense. The Secret History and The Goldfinch, um, both on Holiday. And oh God, yeah, The Book Thief. I've read. I remember The Book Thief like lying on a lilo, sobbing my eyes oh, out. Like, it, is, it is so weird. Sometimes you want to be careful; it doesn't bring down. Like I'll, I'll kind of be around the pool and then I feel really heavy and sad. And I'm like, mm. why do I feel like this? And then yeah. I realize it's the book and not real life um, so yeah you do you are having a nice holiday yeah afternoon. exactly but yeah I think if you only get the chance to read on holiday then you've got to make the most of that time haven't you the thing is if I'm in a good book I'm, I don't want to do yeah, anything else and I don't really go on sort of beach or pool holidays mm. so yeah I think that's where I usually have them for the travelling section that's true, that's otherwise true. if I was really into a good book I'd just be like I'm staying in this room <laughs> yeah. today you can go and see I've whatever's going on and I'm going to finish this book I used to do that with Harry Potter I was, I was a teenager to say I would just sit in the shade for three days straight until yeah. it's finished we yeah, go yeah. on camping holidays and I'd be like, I'm staying in the yeah, car. Yeah. Just, I just really wanted to finish whichever Harry Potter book had come out that year yeah. and I like, missed whatever things my parents and sister were doing. I'd be like, no, I'm reading, reading this book. Mm, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that's why I really love Audible as well, which I've talked about loads mm, on the podcast, but yeah. I find it really hard to sunbathe and hold a book because yeah. it's either your it's face annoying. is either hard to read or you can't, you're blocking your face so. yeah. or it's too heavy um, so you're yeah, like, yeah exactly and then you've got to get in the right position oh, yeah. Side, yeah. and then you're on your stomach exactly. yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah I'm all about audible for um it's more comfortable beachside reading well if you are interested in all of Jane Osborne's recommendations then do have a look at the piece on the site we have a, a lovely series. This is actually one of my favourites. I get very excited when I see this. Is the calendar, uh, called My Life in Food, where Heather, you interview people in the food industry yes. on their life in food. In food. <laughs> yeah. um, and your most recent was mixologist Missy Flynn. She is the owner of Bodega Rita, which is, well, tell us. Well, it's, yeah, sort of restaurant and bar in uh, King's Cross. So they used to anyone used to go to Dalston back in the day uh, birthdays used to have a pop-up called Rita's and it, it was one of the first sort of venues that was actually doing interesting food kind of in a music venue and it was lots of like fried chicken and kind of nice tasty stuff so yeah they started doing that and since then have kind of yeah Evolved. opened lots of other places and she's a mixologist as well so she does lots of other bar menus for other people kind nice. of puts things together when people launch but yeah she's so nice and so interesting just Good. really open and just kind of said why she loved things and what she loved about which was really great and I think she's got some really good suggestions yes she definitely does 
for her recommendations, have a look at the piece on the site. But I just wanted to put some of the questions to everybody here because I love hearing people's food recommendations. So uh, let's just run through a couple of them. What was the first dish you learnt to cook, Tamara? Oh, that's a hard question. I love to cook. Do you? Like, yeah, you I love cook? to cook. I love to entertain. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm cooking for quite a few Yeah, people I bet you are, yeah. On a daily basis. Do you learn to roast a chicken early? I feel like that's yeah, the thing you're supposed chicken, to... Yeah, roast yeah. Chicken soup, yeah. things that are just things you need to know, yeah. like you should know, mm-hmm. like macaroni cheese, yeah. spaghetti bolognese. I was going to say like bolognese, like really, I think, is... You know, just kind of staples. Do you guys cook? How are you into cooking? I do cook. I don't really enjoy cooking. Okay. And my boyfriend, George, is a much better cook than me. Oh. So if we were having people over, I would probably get him to cook. Okay, you do the washing up instead. Yeah. Um, so I'll put a different question to you then. <laughs> which, um, which restaurant do you revisit most often? Oh, I have a couple, actually. I'm quite bad for going back to restaurants. Well, that's very um, important because restaurants need repeated right? business. True. So I don't mm. think it's necessarily a boring or bad thing. For... Kind of like a simple dinner. If I was meeting a friend, I love pastayo in mm. Soho. Mm. It's not expensive, but really good food. They just, I mean, everything's pasta, which is my favourite food. Mm. So it's very good. Um, I also really like Bonacera on Northcote Road, which is another Italian. And again, not expensive. It's not a fancy place, but it's just, you know what you're going to get and it's always good. And they're also on Deliveroo, even though it's restaurant food you can get it to your door and I quite like that do you always go for the same dish when you no, go to, back to the restaurant but I've still not worked my way through the whole menu but that's your aim <laughs> pretty much <laughs> that's what you're going for yeah. okay great goal. wait and if people are going to go there what's the dish of choice oh gosh it's quite boring but I really like their pesto pasta and usually I would never order that when I go out but it's so good mm. It's like there's a big difference between homemade, like fresh yeah, pesto right? and the tin stuff. I'm stone. actually, when I go to a restaurant, I always look down the menu and think, what would I not make at home? Exactly. Yeah, true. You know, or be bothered yes. to make at home. That's mm-hmm. how I kind of choose. Yeah. So if pesto pasta, I'd be like, oh, I just make my own pesto Yeah, yeah, pasta. I can but, do that. But it does. <laughs> but obviously it's, when someone's cooked it for you, yeah. and it does, it does taste And sometimes so that's the best thing, actually, seeing the comparison. Because if it's yeah. something that's in isolation you would never cook, yeah. you know, then it's, it is what it is. But yeah. it's how lovely it's to be able to compare. Yeah. Okay, Heather, here's one for you. Uh, what's your favourite new restaurant or bar opening? This could be an answer to many of the questions on here, but I love Bao. I think what those guys do is really different and interesting. Everything they make is tasty as anything. Uh, it's basically, you know, those steamed buns that they make, but they just put the best fillings in and they're really tasty. It's really reasonable. They do really good drinks. Their new one in Borough Market, they've got a sort of highball machine, so it's kind of an automatic cocktail sort of slush puppy maker, but it's with whiskey and other lovely, delicious things. And they've now got a karaoke room downstairs as well. And, and But, you know, some of those restaurants have karaoke rooms, but they look a bit naff and they're mm. kind of hidden away in the basement. Yeah. This actually looks really good. It's got a really good sound system and a light system that kind of comes on depending on what notes you're singing. But they, you can order food and drink down there for 12 people. And I'm not a massive karaoke fan, but I do genuinely think that would be a right laugh. Great for a birthday as well. Yeah, exactly. Um, and also the one in Soho, I love, but got it. I mean, you can queue for like an hour there. Yeah, do you think that the... Fair, I've 
never been to that one because okay. of the queues. I go or used to go to the one on Windmill Street and Fitzrovia quite a lot because that one's not quite as busy as the Soho one. But yeah, this newer one in Borough is uh, slightly bigger okay. and uh, they've also got a hatch as well. So if you really want to eat something but you don't want to queue, just queue and just grab something. And at least in Borough, you can have a drink and a snack. While exactly. And they're using a lot of ingredients from around the market in all the food as well, which I think is quite a nice way oh, to support that. everyone around there. Really nice. I've got a final question that I'm going to put to everybody, which is what is your most memorable meal? And because I just put you all on the spot, I'm going to start with mine because actually mine does spring to mind. <laughs> and it's not actually, it should probably be the night that Ben proposed, but it's actually a night that Ben didn't propose, <laughs> um, which it was in, um, in South America last January. We spent some time in Mendoza in Buenos Aires, which is the wine district at the bottom of the Andes. And the lovely thing about going there is obviously you can kind of book things for yourself, but actually you can rock up at instead. If you're staying at a vineyard, then they'll often kind of just send you off to different restaurants and places that they recommend for you. So unlike most trips, we had done no research and we were just kind of sent to different places. And one night we were sent to a restaurant that was literally at the very bottom of the Andes, like down a dirt track. And it was the house of two brothers. And we were the only people there. They just cooked dinner for just us. And we were next to this like big babbling brook at the bottom of the Andes. And it was sunset. And um, there was a big fire pit. And yeah, and it was just us. And they made us all this really amazing traditional Argentinian, yeah, empanadas. And it was just incredible. I really thought Ben was proposing. I thought the whole thing was... (laughs) I thought the whole thing was a ruse and that it was some big romantic thing and that he'd booked the whole thing. Anyway, he wasn't. It was just an accident. But God, it was so incredible. And I, I'm afraid I don't have the name of it, but anyway, it was it was memorable for, for many, many reasons. It made me very hungry. Mm-hmm. It was good. Um, anyone else? I was actually in Tel Aviv once and oh, I went to this restaurant where it had a chef's menu and it was a tasting menu. So it was 12 dishes. And when you think 12 dishes, you think there's no way you're going to get through 12 dishes. And each dish was better than the next. Oh. I mean, and we're talking kind of tiny. Yeah. Little, you know, but you, you do actually want more, even though you know there's more coming. It was just the most incredible food, like very traditional, very Middle Eastern. You know, it all had like a little smoky flavour to it. Just the quality of the food was so great. Like even the tomatoes, you know, you could just, you don't get tomatoes like that. Tomatoes in a shit in England. You know, they really just, let's just yeah. all admit yeah. it, they're shit you know, just like when I talk about it, my mouth's mm. watching. I mean, it was a really great meal. And the name of the restaurant? Oh, gosh, I don't know. I actually think it was Pop-Up. Oh, cool. Mm. Mm. Uh, one I can think of, because it was relatively recently, um, was in San Francisco in the Mission District, which is like the Latin area. And it was a, a place called La Taqueria, which is really rough and ready but everyone again is queuing but it was the nicest Mexican food I have ever had and we just had each of us a kind of big burrito but it was the nicest I can't actually describe how amazing everything tasted it was just absolutely delicious you just can't get Mexican food here in the same way that you can in the States and it's like six dollars as well it's so cheap and yeah it really ridiculously cheap but yeah some of the nicest food I've ever had yeah we've got a lot to learn because actually you can get really good Mexican in London but it's quite spent you know they've got like big yeah. and those kind of places but it's not it's, it's not as cheap as it is in the states exactly it's all kind of elevated mexican stuff so yeah you can go and have a very expensive mm. evening whereas i think yeah the beauty of it was that we just needed something to eat quickly because we're going to go to a museum that was open at night so we need something to grab and go and it just so happens to probably be the nicest thing we ate all holiday oh, that's always the way isn't it <laughs> george and i go to the lake district every december for a long weekend and for our christmas present last year 
we got to do the tasting menu at Long Clue. Oh, I knew you were going to say that. Amazing. Um, Simon Rogan's restaurant. And I'd never been before. We'd been to Rogan & Co, which is also in Carmel, which got a Mission star last year. But Long Clue is just incredible. Long Clue had three stars. I think it's got I think three. So. Yeah, I think it's I'm three, yeah. Jealous. And we did wine pairing as well. Oh. And we got a cheese board. Oh. And it was just the whole... Was it as fabulous experience. as it's supposed to be? Yes. And I think because we love that area so much, we go back every year as well. The whole weekend was just, yeah. Oh, dreamy. And his whole thing is foraging, isn't it? So is there a lot of, you know, local produce? Yeah. Although my favourite one actually was Cornish cod. Mm -hmm. So not local, but... Yeah, that's quite far from the Lake District, actually. Yeah, Yeah. But delicious. (laughs) Oh, dreamy. Heather, I feel like you need to write a piece with everybody's recommendations in the office. Yeah, Um, yeah, the most special place for a meal. I think think you'll get some good recommendations out of that. Sounds good. You jot that down. (laughs) thank you well Lisa isn't here this week sad times love it when she's on the podcast Um, but her most recent Beauty Wolves piece on our site was how to get it right with false eyelashes am I the only one here who's a bit of an addict to to the falsies I do love a lash I think it just transforms your face my favourite probably if you were going to wear false lashes is a brand called Battington Lashes they're at Space NK Um, I think they come in six styles And the best thing about them is there's none of that fiddly glue. They're all self-adhesive. So I think that for me, putting them on myself, I think it's the glue part. Mm. Because, you know, it's just like some stick here. And sometimes I get (laughs) the left right, but not the right one. Mm. And then it's all kind of a bit of a crisis. But in terms of lashes, having them actually put on, I absolutely love that. But it is expensive. It's also so time consuming. Mm -hmm. And I usually fall asleep when I have it done. And then I think I'm going to wake up. Like, you know, when you wake up in shock and you start fluttering your eyes. So I'm always worried I'm going to do that. (laughs) But I feel like it's for a special, Mm -hmm. for special occasion. But I do, it transforms your face. Are the Battington ones expensive then? They're, I think, around £26, £28. And you can use them. Absolutely. But you can use them a few times. Okay, Mm -hmm. amazing. And they come in gorgeous, um, like, little pots and that you can keep them nicely and they're all they're all silk lashes as well okay so they're special they are special yeah Yeah. Hattie I do love a lash but like you were saying tomorrow I'd only get them done if it were for a special occasion if I'm going out or something I just like the Isla the naturals or the texture ones are really nice would you do you use them every time you go out not every time I used to but now just sort of when I fancy a bit more of a pop do you find yeah. applying them absolutely fine? I do now, but it's taken okay. me a while to crack it, mm. I think. And reading Lisa's piece, actually, she does say, always leave the glue for 30 seconds once you've put it on the um, strip, on the strip mm. which I never used to do. And I'm sure it does say that on the box, but I obviously never read the instructions. Yeah, quite sad, <laughs> and actually, it makes such a big difference. It's so much easier once you do that, mm. I find. And using with tweezers, not the tweezer end, the other end, I sort of press that down on my lash line oh, as well once I put them down to kind of lock it into place that's a yeah, good tip okay. that really helps you, what you think that's better than just using your finger because I just yeah, kind of I it along. feel like yeah I'm just poking myself in the mm, eye then god I like Cheryl Coles is that <laughs> awful no, I just I don't I think they're so. amazing they are mm. so good and I also on a night out yeah I'm quite partial to it I would never wear yeah. them just like for dinner but the next mountain to climb for me is, is the individual ones because actually whenever we have our makeup done for shoots um, Charlotte Cowan our lovely makeup artist always uses individual mm. lashes and that is when it looks really natural 
yeah. but still amazing. And I just like, natural, but so those. tricky. So the tricky, yeah, I know. So tricky. And that's a whole like you know you need tweezers and you need time and and patience, of which I don't have much. So uh, yeah, that's my next my next venture. Heather, uh, no, I don't. No, we'll leave it. There. <laughs> um, okay. Well, if you do want uh, tips for getting it right, do you have a look at Lisa's piece? She's got everything from the best glue, uh, which is duo glue. She says mm. nail scissors. She recommends and tweezers. Those are all the bits of equipment you need. And she also recommends her favorite lashes. She likes eyelure too, specifically the Emma Willis variety. Maybe a celeb collab is better than people give it credit for. But she's also got some slightly higher end pieces as well, like Huda Beauty and Mac ones as well. So whatever you're going for, we've got the full seeds for you. Speaking of celebrity collaborations, it has just been announced that Giambattista Valley is the latest designer to team up with H&M. They do an annual designer collaboration. Everybody has been eagerly awaiting the announcement for who it's going to be next. They've had everybody from Isabel Morant to Alexander Wang and last year Moschino. This is a good one. What did everybody think of the collection? I love it. I bet you do. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot of tool. I love the tool. I think this is my favourite collaboration that they've done so far actually just obsessed with that pink dress yeah the pink dress is amazing um, so for those who haven't seen it it's quite an unusual pairing because yeah. it's often been a very a kind of a pretty large ready to wear collection so with Isabel Moran or you know any of the other designers that they've teamed up with in the past but actually this one is so pretty true to Giambattista Valley's signature evening wear couture look but yeah just uh, this kind of capsule selection of incredible dresses the start of which was obviously the hot pink ballerina style piece that was worn by Kendall Jenner when the collection was announced. If you haven't seen it, do just Google Kendall Jenner. Amphar. Actually, she wore at the Amphar Gala and got it. It's the most incredible dress, isn't Insane. it? Insane. We actually mentioned it on the show as well and uh, went through some of the pieces. I just love that it's a couture brand mm. and I think that's quite new for them. Mm-hmm. But I think H&M, they always get it right when they do their collaborations. Mm. They've always picked... You know, everyone from Stella McCartney to Erdem to, you know, you've got your Moschino, you've got a bit of everything. But this is really different for them. Yes. And I think it's launching in November, isn't it? Yeah, November Just in time for parties. Just in time for party season, exactly. Um, Has anyone ever bought anything from one of H&M's collaborations? I have. I've been the person queuing. Really? Oh, wait, physically queuing or queuing online? Um, No, well, physically queuing. When they did the Kenzo collaboration oh, I, I loved some yeah. of those pieces like the ruffled skirts I got the most amazing kind of double-breasted coat wow. I came back with quite a few pieces but I think you were limited I think that's what really you killed me a few. and you could only buy a few but you rush to get everything and then you think oh god what size am I going to be and you know it's it's a bit of a, a bit frenetic and there's a lot of hype as well so you then think what have I just gone and bought yeah. <laughs> like you lose I your do, head a bit don't you you yeah. do and I just remember queuing up and you can see people working out yeah. the, where they were going to go yeah. first you know, their kind of yeah, their route they were going to take around the shop. And I just think, okay. But I was one of those people. Yeah. I think they always get it right, H&M. And I think it's an easy and affordable way to buy a bit of designer at a reasonable price. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the key point about them teaming up with a mm-hmm. couture brand. Because a lot of designer labels have diffusion lines. So mm-hmm. a lot of the Isabel Moran pieces, for example, were upwards of £200. And if you turn to Isabel Moran at 12 then, you know, you're also talking a not dissimilar price point. So actually, to be able to buy from a couture designer at a tenth of the price yeah, like is, a, is a league above. 
Some yeah. of those dresses look insane. Like they could be on any runway and they're like 290 pounds. Yeah. Like if I saw that normally, I'd assume it was at least a thousand. Agreed. They're incredible. I do feel you need an occasion to wear one of those. Oh yeah. I mean, yes. they're not too of the moment. So I actually, I think they will yeah. still sell out because they're yeah. so incredible. Yeah. So people will buy them and put them away for when that occasion arises. You will arises. wear it. You yeah. will do you wear not it. think they, be- I, my only thing is with the collaborations is you know that people are wearing them. Like you can spot them. So, I mean, if I spent even £300 on a dress and someone turns up in the same fabulous gown at a party, mm. I'd be like, oh. Yeah, it's a bit disappointing, you know, yeah. isn't it? Well, yeah. unfortunately, that is the risk you run with anything. Yeah. There's a lot of very popular brands yeah. with very distinctive dresses mm. um, at the moment. So, yeah, unfortunately, there's not a lot you can do about that, is there? But also, you know, if people like Kendall Jenner are wearing it, I don't think there's a good precedent there, yeah. isn't there? So, yeah, you can't get all that wrong, can you? Let's finish by talking about... <laughs> Occasion hats. It is event season, isn't it? With everything from um, Ascot to weddings on the cards. So we thought we'd put together a guide with everything you need to know about buying a hat for the summer. Has anyone here ever actually worn a hat for an event? I mean, I have, but that's a bit different because it's just being Jewish that when you go to synagogue, you have to cover your hair if you're married. So I have quite a good... You've got a good hat selection. A nice selection of hats. But again, I wouldn't just put one on although I do appreciate like in the winter like a really cool trilby mm-hmm. or something like that I think it finishes mm-hmm. off an outfit mm-hmm. I think hats are also so ladylike I don't know it just looks so groomed if you get it right yes and actually my great-grandma was a milliner so I kind of learned the skill of wearing hats and what hats suit what face shapes and things like that but I think in modern day would you put on a hat I don't know. I think if you've got an occasion to go to, fabulous. But I do, I think it just finishes off the look. It's just Mm -hmm. something a bit more grown up. Well, and a lot of dress codes dictate Mm -hmm. that one needs a hat, right? So I agree. I'm not sure you would wear one voluntarily. I'm not sure anyone really does wear one voluntarily, do they? But only when necessary. So Tamara, in terms of knowing where to start, do you buy them on the high street? Have you had them made? I've had a lot of my hats made. I've also been fortunate enough to have hats that have been handed down. I also find that designer of Debenhams usually have some great hats. Everything from fascinators, you know, bigger hats. I think throughout the year, not seasonal at all. Well, there's not um, there's not really any on the high street. That's, that's the it's problem. Fascinating. You're there very, really are. You're very mm-hmm. limited with options on the high street. Yeah. But I think unless you want to pay a real premium price, which is you can spend hundreds yeah. and hundreds of pounds on a hat. We spoke to quite a few milliners and some of them don't even have a minimum price point. And I mean that in a good way, mm-hmm. not like there's no budget, but you know, as in they start from whatever the yeah. customer is willing to pay, yeah. presumably within reason, because there's just nowhere else to go. Yeah. And actually, it doesn't have to be some mega expense. Because actually, by the time you bought an outfit, then to buy a hat on top of it is... Yeah, Heather, have you ever worn a hat? Yeah, so in my old job, we used to go to Royal Ascot every year. So I needed to kind of wear a hat for that. But I just kind of, yeah, um, just ended up raiding my mum's or both of my grandmother's sort of cupboards uh, for hats, really. But there is a place in Brighton called Mad Hatter, which is a vintage shop full of vintage hats. And they've got some really nice ones. But I suppose the issue with that is that they can't, like, suit it to you, I suppose. So you just have to try loads on to see if it's actually going to fit. Whereas I suppose if you actually went to a milliner, it would be made for you and probably look a lot better. Do you think there's not a lot on the high street because it's not a popular item to have? Yeah, I think it's only designed to really elevate an outfit and there's only really certain occasions that you wear Mm. it for. Mm -hmm. So therefore there's no mass demand, Mm. I guess. Um, For weddings as well, if you're required to wear a hat, it does very much need to match your dress. So again, it does need to be kind of... 
kind of made mm. to measure or you know yeah it's it must be very difficult to find a hat that's the exact same shade or kind of goes with what Correct. else you're wearing. Fenwick of Bond Street actually do some really yes. great hats as well. They do. Um, really lovely designers. And you can have a look at John Lewis as well. They, John they Lewis is great yeah. Well the good news is that the trends are changing. So where in the past it was all about fascinators and hats these days there's a little bit more wiggle room so Hattie, the headband Hattie. is very much in. We all saw Kate Middleton wore a big headband for Louis Christenings, yes, if I remember. Um, yeah, and there were quite a few at, at all the various royal weddings over the past um, year or so. I can imagine you're into that look. I am. And easier to get on the high street, I think. Definitely. Um, and weddings that I've been to in the past, I mean, we were quite young, but my sister just got something from ASOS and it was sort of like a little diamante headband thing and that looks really nice Mm -hmm. and it doesn't have to be super specific for your outfit obviously that goes but if it's sort of in a metallic you're probably going to wear it again definitely and I think it's actually of all the events I could be wrong but I think it's only Ascot that has very specific Mm. you know dimension requirements so yeah obviously if you are you know going to be in the royal enclosure then you're going to need a proper hat but actually if it's a wedding or something just to elevate your look then a headband is great the other thing that is back pillbox hats I do a la Jackie O yeah and Megan's worn a few over the last year or so and I love that look and I reckon that's going to come onto the high street Mm. sooner rather than later I reckon ASOS will be on that soon definitely well if you do need a hat for occasion season then have a look at the piece on the site do give it a read because uh, we've got some really great advice from a lot of milliners who really know their stuff. I think that's just about it for this week. If you have any feedback or any questions for anybody in the team, please do email podcast at sheerlux.com. We love hearing from you. Don't forget to rate, review, subscribe and tell your friends. Bye-bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.